Now today's federal newscast, I'm Eric White. The Veterans Affairs Department signs its long-awaited contract with Cerner Corporation for a new electronic health record. The contract has a ceiling of $10 billion for 10 years. Cerner will help VA deploy MHS Genesis, the same electronic health record the Defense Department is currently deploying. Acting VA Secretary Robert Wilkie described the deal as one of the largest IT contracts in the federal government. This announcement comes nearly a year after VA had first announced its intention to adopt the Cerner system. Federal agencies are on track to exceed a government-wide small business contracting goal this fiscal year. Small Business Administrator Linda McMahon says she plans to visit all 68 SBA district offices across the country. McMahon says she wants to spread the word about SBA's mentoring and cybersecurity programs. Small business subcontractors are not getting a fair shake from the military, though. The Defense Department's Inspector General says there are trends of contracting officials being unable to monitor how prime contractors are meeting small business subcontractor goals. A recent DODIG study found that small businesses missed out on nearly $915 million in contracts at two Army contracting commands. And the Pentagon's inspector general says poor oversight led to at least half a billion dollars in questionable payments to contractors hired to do work in Afghanistan. Federal News Radio's Jared Serbu has more. The IG audit looked at payments under the Army's log cap program between 2015 and 2017. It found the Defense Department routinely reimbursed contractors for the expenses they claimed without examining their supporting documentation. Among the examples in the report, one contractor claimed more than $2,000 for stateside convenience store purchases. Another charged the government for $195 $5,000 for one employee's work in a single pay period. Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio. The Senate defeats an attempt by Senator Rand Paul to reignite the federal budget debate. Paul introduced a proposal to cut $13 trillion from the federal budget over the next 10 years. Late last year, Congress passed a two-year spending agreement that'll last until the end of fiscal 2019. 76 senators voted to reject Paul's proposal on Thursday. Collective bargaining unit employees use slightly more official time in fiscal 2016 compared to 2014. The Office of Personnel Management's latest review of agency official time data says employees spent 3.6 million hours doing union work during a normal workday, up slightly from 2014's total of roughly 3.5 million hours. The Veterans Affairs Department, as the second largest government agency, spends the most time on official time out of any other agency. The Departments of Homeland Security and Transportation team up to secure federal vehicles from cyber attacks. DHS's Science and Technology Directorate and DOT's Volp Center create a cybersecurity implementation and operational primer for them. DHS and DOT will help fleet managers and GSA secure these telematic systems based on standards from NIST. These systems are in every federal vehicle to collect data about fuel consumption, emissions, maintenance, and location data. The Energy Department adds its voice to the crowded week of cyber news. The Energy Department details three goals to help reduce the risks faced by the nation's energy sector from cyber threats. The new multi-year plan for energy sector cybersecurity also is the first piece of the foundation for the new Office of Cybersecurity, Energy Security, and Emergency Response that Secretary Rick Perry created this year. DOE says through the plan, it will pursue goals like better threat sharing and organizing an incident response capability that over the next five years will help reduce the risk of energy disruptions due to cyber incidents. I'm Jason Miller. Certain drivers for the company Lyft will now be able to pick people up from Camp Pendleton in California and Fort Meade in Maryland. The ride-sharing company has created a new base mode, which will give select drivers access to bases so they can pick up and drop off passengers. 
And while several companies have promised regular people future flights to space and back, NASA now wants to see whether people can live in space. More now from Tom Temin in today's management report. NASA requests proposals for commercial space habitation aimed at enabling what it calls a space economy in low Earth orbit. It's asking companies for business and technology plans for either new free-flying platforms or using the International Space Station. NASA itself expects to use future commercial orbiting capacity for its own missions. I'm Tom Temin. Find these stories at federalnewsradio.com and subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White.